Hello, welcome to the Today I Am Enough podcast. I am your host, Kara Murray, and I am so excited to share stories with you of people who have bravely struggled. They will share how they are getting through, but still find peace and joy in their journey. I'm so excited to have Erica Kiefer's story on the podcast today. She has five kids, she's an author, and her little boy, Ty, has an incredible story that she is willing to share today. Hello, and welcome to the Today I Am Enough podcast. I am so thrilled to have one of my friends from many years ago, Erica Kiefer, here with me today. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, Erica? Well, hi, I'm Erica, and I knew Kara in Provo. I am, I've been married for 13 years somehow squeezed five kids in there in that amount of time and um, <laughs> I, I when people ask you know where did you where are you from I never know if that means you know where did you grow up where's your childhood or if it's you know why do you look the way you do because I I have a mom who's from Thailand <laughs> and I have a dad who's Caucasian from you know California um, he's lighter skinned and so I've kind of got the dominantly Asian look so I've got that going on but I um, actually grew up mostly throughout Southeast Asia, kind of the, the military lifestyle where I moved every two to four years. So home was just where my family was. And um, Utah and California were home base over the summer. So that's a little bit where, about my childhood. Um, and on the side, I am a YA author. And I've written a book um, about my son, who you're going to hear about today. And I have a background in recreation therapy. So I enjoy working with at-risk youth when the opportunity presents itself. That's great. And I... At the at the end of the podcast, we'll make sure to tell people where to find your book, and I'll be linking to it in the show notes on my website and all that. It's an amazing book. I had the opportunity to read it several years ago, so it feels like several years. I don't know how long has the book been out. It's been, it feels like it's been, yeah. <laughs> it's been out a little while. Anyways, all right. So, yeah, Erica and I were neighbors long ago, it seems like. it's. I mean, it's been at least eight years, eight and a half years more than that Mm -hmm. and I don't we didn't know each other super well I don't feel like but we did like we knew each other and knew like we had our little boys at the same time and Erica has an incredible story that's so touching and um touched my heart so deeply if you've uh listened to my little story about Jack that I have the podcast of um my Jack and Erica's Ty were born very close when was Ty's birthday October 20th, 2009. Okay, and Jax is November 4th, 2009. So they're just a little, a couple weeks apart. So um, anyways, Erica's story is one that has stayed with me and stayed in my heart. And I feel like I just connected with Erica over over her story. But anyway, so I'm going to let her go ahead and share that with all of us today. Okay, well, thank you. Well, in the fall of 2009, Dan and I kind of had a simple life going on. I mean, he was just starting his second year of law school, um, and that came with his natural stressors. I mean, it's, it's law school, um, but it was just the two of us. We had a, a little two-bedroom, <laughs> one-bath apartment in Provo, just, you know, starting, starting little, starting fresh, and I was almost due with our first child, and it was just a really happy time. It still is one of the most peaceful happy times especially when Ty joined our family and uh, he just he came really fast and kind of unexpectedly a few days early and uh, 
he just was just a special part of our family. We just, a lot of times we would just look at each other and just, you know, this, how did we ever have life without this baby in our life? How did, how did we have a complete family without him? And we just, I mean, we would sit and watch Lost together and just <laughs> eat snacks in bed. And um, we'd take him everywhere, BYU basketball games. He was just our buddy. He just, I just toted him around everywhere. And it was just a really, really happy time. Um, and at the same time, within the, the four and a half months that, that we had him with us, um, Dan and I both seemed to have premonitions or just some, some worried feelings that maybe naturally come with, with most first time parents. I mean, everyone kind of is a little bit aware of, um, you know, the hospital kind of gives you a spiel about, about SIDS and, and sleeping on your back and different concerns, but it seemed like these concerns just amplified with the time that, that he was with us. Um, we just kind of, I don't know, I had this feeling that something might, might happen. And not that I really believed it. No one ever really believes that's going to happen to you. But we had this worry. We'd be said extra prayers for him, um, for his safety at night. And we checked on him constantly. And it, I don't know, it almost seemed like we were being prepared for something. I don't, I really don't know. It's just one of those things that just kind of came with the experience. And you look back on it and you, you try to make these connections. And that was just one of those things. We just felt like somehow we were being prepared, yeah. even to the point the night before, um, the night before we actually found that our son had passed away, um, I had a conversation with my husband. I said, okay, so what do I do if, if he, if I do find that he, that he's not breathing? I mean, who has these yeah. conversations <laughs> about their little, their little four and a half month old baby? But I really just, I wanted to have this conversation with my husband and I knew how to do CPR on adults. I mean, in theory, I, I need to know it for my job working with, with mm-hmm. at-risk youth and, and people. I had people jobs. Yeah. And um, so I knew how to do that. But, I, you know, I talked a little bit about, okay, how is it different on a, on a baby? And so we talked about that. And I said, okay, I can, let's go to sleep. And um, the next morning, um, we checked on Ty a number of times at night. Just, you know, feed him and check on him at 4 o'clock. I, I checked on him, probably fed him. Um, my husband checked on him at 7. And being the student life, he didn't have to rush off to school, so we were just kind of hanging out in bed till about 8.30, and then I got up at 8.40 to go check on Ty, and I just went across the room, um, across the hall to the, the room he's right across, and I didn't see him because the blanket that we'd been using with him, um, it was covering him, and I just had this feeling in my stomach that, I mean, I knew he had to be under there, but of course, just instant worry that, oh no, why is he, he's, the blanket's covering him, and so I took the blanket, and I, I pulled it back and um he'd already passed away I could see that but I scooped him up and I screamed I let out a scream that that still if I ever scream because I see something that startles me it's still a scream that is really triggering for my husband to hear me scream at all because the scream I let out was was one of horror and shock and panic and he came running into the room and he saw a tie in my arms and he just started yelling, no, 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 no. Um, and all of a sudden just this calmness came over me and I just realized, okay, I've been prepared for this. I know how to do CPR. This, I, I'm going to save my son. And so I laid him on the changing table and I began to perform CPR as best as I could. And I saw some color kind of returning and I just, I told my husband, you know, stop it. Like he was just, he was just beside himself. He knew that he was gone already, but I just said, stop, call 911. And, um, I just felt in control for these probably 30 seconds to a minute, a couple minutes, um, as I tried to revive my son. And, um, 
fortunately, there was a police officer who I was told was just doing a routine traffic stop right outside our neighborhood who um, rushed right over within yeah. you know, 30 seconds, a minute, and he came in. And as soon as he took Ty, um, that's when my hysteria set in because I realized like my son was literally out of my hands in someone else's hands. And I just started to cry and, you know, please save my baby, save my son. And we started praying. Um, my husband took me in, in his arms and we held each other and prayed out loud, pleaded out loud. I made a promise that I'd be the best mother if I just get one more chance to, um, to be with my son, to raise my son. And, um, so the paramedics came and police came, investigators came, and eventually my son was taken to the hospital and we followed closely behind. Um, we were watching them work on our son. Um, we heard the machines beeping and we figured as long as the machines were beeping, as long as they were working, that there had to be, there had to be hope. So we kind of tried to keep it together and, um, but eventually they said, I'm sorry, that is, there's nothing else we can do. And, um, so of course I kind of fell to the ground and just you just disbelief just kind of lost my strength and just I could not believe this was our reality this little baby that was this perfect piece of our family I could not believe that he was gone that they were telling us this thing and so they wrapped him in a white blanket and they let us hold him um, so we cradled him my husband sat next to me and cradled me and I said to my husband I don't even know why this came to mind but immediately I said Talmify and Talmify is a Samoan word. It's a Samoan um, hymn, a church song um, that Dan had learned when he was um, living in New Zealand, serving uh, the church that we go to. And um, it was a hymn about um, finding strength through Christ and, you know, trying no matter when things get hard that you always try. And Dan had sung this song to me a number of times in our marriage when I just was beside myself about whatever other things that had troubled me um, in the past. And... So he started to sing, um, and he sang the first verse, and I, I didn't know all the words at the time. Um, it's all in Samoan, um, but I hummed along, and I sang when I, you know, where I could, and immediately there was a peaceful feeling that came into this room, this room that was so full of tragedy and just loss and disbelief. All of a sudden, there was a peace and calm that came with it. You know, my dad was there. He had he had come to help us go to the hospital, and and we had some different family, uh, different friends that, that showed up, and we just, we left the hospital kind of feeling lost, but at the same time feeling an unexplainable kind of peace, and so as we, we returned to, my dad's um, condo was just down the street from our little apartment, and so we didn't want to go to the apartment, um, so we went to the condo, and before we went in, um, Dan and I went for just a, a short walk just down the street, and we tried to figure out, okay, this is our new life. What are we going to do with this? Um, our little boy is gone. And so Dan said to me, he asked me to make him a promise. And he said, um, he asked me that I wouldn't blame myself and that we wouldn't blame each other. He wouldn't, and he wouldn't blame himself. Um, and that we would, we would keep God in the equation that we'd keep God as we try to figure this out. Um, and so that's what we did. That was sort of the first step that we made, um, sort of a, a pact in healing with God and I think it came naturally because we you know, we are regular churchgoers and, and we believe in God and just different things we've been taught we kind of were now grasping at everything we've been taught and believed and had faith in and that was the beginning of where where healing would go from there.
what was what was one of the in those first few days what do you feel like is one of the largest lessons that you were able to take away from that and that could help you move forward do you think in those first few days we were just astounded how much service we received there was so much love I mean the funeral was only a few days later on the 13th and in that time those days they were just filled with I mean when did he pass away like what month was that Oh, thank you. So it was in the spring. It was okay. it was March 10th, 2010. So he was four and a half months, um, kind of closer to five months at that time. And the funeral was on the 13th. So not that many days, but so much happened in those days. <laughs> we had so many people approach us. Um, you know, you were someone that brought a CD to me. <laughs> um, it was a Hillary Week yeah. CD about... I don't remember if he brought in that within that those few days, uh, maybe. I think he did, yeah. or sometime pretty shortly thereafter. Yeah. I don't remember exactly. But it was about, you know, just had a lot of songs in there. One of them was just, just Let Her Cry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just, I think one of the biggest things was just allowing people to serve us um, because people wanted to. When you people hear of a tragedy, especially when it's close to home like yeah. that, um, in a close-knit community, it's not a problem you can solve, but people desperately want to help and they want to make it better. And uh, so thankfully we allowed people to comfort. Sometimes people don't want to be the service project or, you know, all the attention, but I actually was so thankful for it. And it made me just feel so close to God. And I, I've never understood the power of prayer more than at that time, because there was almost a tangible feeling around me. Um, when they talk about like like a buoyancy, like there was something holding me together off and on throughout the day, and then um, maybe for a day at a time, or you know, um, and I just think I just knew so many people were so many people were praying for us and serving us, bringing us food, taking care of the the funeral arrangements. Um, even just this recently, I went to Utah to meet up with a couple good friends, um, Jamie and Lisa, who were friends whose friendship built out of this whole thing, and still I was hearing details of what this this small ward did um, uh, the ward the being the, the church that I go to uh, the neighborhood yes a congregation and um, just the the late nights that they were there one o'clock you know one o'clock two o'clock ironing um, tablecloths and trying to make the church building look like peaceful like just as peaceful and different than just a classroom but making it seem like a, a, a spiritual peaceful place and it certainly it certainly was so I think I think that's probably the biggest thing was just allowing people to yeah. serve um, I feel that way about Jack too I thought a lot about you know what like what made the biggest difference um in that time uh when Ty passed away and trying to figure out you know how do I how do you move forward from this and so one of the things that people will say when there's a loss or a tragedy is, you know, give it time, time, time will heal. And, you know, time will heal all wounds. And that's a really common phrase. And I struggle with it sometimes because time alone is not going to heal um, the wound. I think there's a certain amount that you have to, to do with it. Just like, like any wound, if you, if you let it sit and fester, it's going to get infected. Um, you need to treat it and treat it gently um, and constantly until it gets better and so my kids oftentimes they get really really obsessed when they get a little cut on their their hands or or if they fall down scrape their knees that they're very concerned and scared and you know they see um, that they're bleeding and they feel the pain and they come running and they always want a band-aid and they always want to fix it I think that's natural for most people just let's just fix it we gotta we gotta make the pain go away 
and that's, that's part of it, you know, trying to find that comfort, but the treating it part, you know, trying to, I tell my kids, you know, don't, it's getting hurt and, and having these, these cuts, it's just, it's just part of life, and you know that Heavenly Father, God, He made our bodies so amazing, they can heal themselves, did you know that? And they're just always, you know, shaking their head, like, what, really? They can heal, our bodies can heal themselves? And my kids are, are little, I have a, now I have a seven-year-old daughter and a five- and three-year-old son and a seven-month-old daughter, our caboose, and so we have lots of boo-boos in our house, and and I've loved having that conversation with them, um, because God has made our bodies strong, and not only has He made our bodies strong, He's made our spirits strong, that we're able to endure hard things and, and challenges and the hurts that come our way, and this certainly um, was the greatest wound that I've I had, had, had encountered at the time and probably still to this day um, have encountered. Um, but I just had this belief that, you know, we can recover, just like those cuts on us physically, that spiritually we can recover. And that's the experience that I received, um, especially in those yeah. first couple of years. They were they were the hardest for me, for sure. Um, trying to adjust to, to having motherhood kind of stripped away and trying to figure out, you know, what is my identity? Like I, I was working part-time at the time and... Um, I had all this extra free time because I was supposed to be taking care of a baby, and my body knew that I was supposed to be taking care of a baby, and um, there were just a lot of adjustments that, that had to be made. Um, but I think a lot back to that that promise that Dan and I made together to include God, and God certainly made himself visible to us through other people. Um, I truly believe, you know, people talk about angels, and... Um, angels come in all sorts of <laughs> shapes and sizes and, and one of them is our, our earthly angels yeah. I mean neighbors and friends and strangers uh, there were people that I didn't even know um, just connections to other friends who said hey I know that you've lost a baby can you please reach out to my friend um, and you know give them some hope and they did and they shared it and it not that it makes it normal to lose a child but it just felt good to know that I wasn't alone and to see that you know these other people had had other kids and they had life had eventually kind of gotten a little bit of normalcy back um but we just we just felt a lot of just felt probably closer to god sometimes sometimes i actually kind of grieve that time of grieving because i've never felt closer to heaven than at that time and i think a lot of it was i was seeking it out i was really um just constantly in a thought of prayer constantly reading my scriptures um just you know driving down the street just thinking and praying thinking about my son who which when I thought about my son I thought about God like it was just all kind of interconnected came together yes interconnected that's a great way to put it and so I couldn't think about one without the other I just made some of the some of the best friends from from that experience has it been hard with your other kids when they're that same age do you get more anxiety when they're about four and a half months old or up to the time where that you know does that make sense Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Very strong. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, every time. So when I had my daughter, Aya, so we tried to get pregnant pretty quickly. I just was at a loss of um, trying to figure out what to do with myself. And not, not, I had just tasted this, this most perfect part of our family and to not be able to enjoy having a baby and, and the joys of motherhood anymore. It just, it just ate me up inside. And I just, it took me... Um, before we got pregnant with Ty, it took us about a little over a year to get pregnant, and right when we started to try and get pregnant, my body kind of started shutting down, and so I, I needed some fertility drugs and different things, and so at the time, it felt like the longest struggle to even get pregnant with Ty, and um, 
And so when we were trying to get pregnant again, I was just so afraid. I just couldn't imagine the time it might take to get pregnant. And then, um, and I, I just, I just wanted a baby so bad. And I really, it took, it, in that time I was able to kind of address some different things that I was, I'll get back to your question. I just realized it's kind of put me You're back fine. to like, well, um, I realized that as much as we had all these, the spiritual experiences and, and comfort coming our way, there were still a lot of things I was kind of trying to run from, like feeling angry at God or, or just angry at the situation. I kind of was feeling like, you know, if I'm angry, then, then God's not going to bless me with a baby. And, and so I tried so hard not to be angry, but eventually when I wasn't, when I was trying to have another baby, um, it was taking a little bit of time again. Um, and I was frustrated and I was mad and I finally just let it out. And I finally was able to go to therapy and, and talk more about, you know, this anger that it wasn't a bad thing and it wasn't, God wasn't yeah. going to punish me for feeling angry. And so, um, oddly enough, as soon as I kind of addressed these, like the, for me, what was the darkest, scariest emotion to address and to understand more about faith and hope and, and, and anger, um, I was able to get pregnant. It's just like, it's almost like God just knew I needed to, I needed to deal with that. And if I'd gotten pregnant right away, maybe yeah. I would not have come to these, these understanding and conclusions because it might've just been that band aid. Okay. I'm pregnant, you know? Yeah. So it was a yeah. very deep learning experience. Um, and it wasn't even, it wasn't even that long. Um, but for me, of course it felt like eternity. It was, it was six months yeah. before we finally were pregnant with her, but we'd been trying like right after. And, um, so when Aya came, we were so excited but yes, I was so nervous, and um, when she was born, just things, I couldn't even, I could not sleep more than 15 minutes, 30 minutes at a time. I mean, she was lightweight, she felt limp in my arms as a newborn, and I just, I hated the feeling, and I started to kind of taint motherhood a little bit, my fear and my anxiety that something was going to happen to her, and, you know, I'd worried about Ty, mm-hmm. and something happened to him, and now I was worried about her, mm-hmm. and it just... I yeah. just was living in fear and kind of, kind of killing, killing the experience a little bit. That I was so excited she was there, and it was the most beautiful experience um, bringing her into our family. Um, in the grief world, the, the next baby after a loss is called a rainbow baby. Oftentimes, a lot of yeah. people kind of connect with that. Um, it's the the rainbow after the the storm. And so she was the greatest healing to my heart. Um, but yes, it did. There was an amount of anxiety that I needed to work through and fear and. Um, I had to do a lot of praying and a lot of kind of meditative thoughts and trying to find that peace that I'd felt, um, you know, through the loss, through the funeral, through the experiences, um, and kind of go back to those and remember. And thankfully, I had written a lot. I I, I wasn't someone that was going to, you know, call up my family and friends when I was having a hard time. So I, I journaled and I'd write down the experience, like right in the moment, this is what I'm feeling. Um, and a lot of times it would slow down my thought process. Um, to where I could kind of process more like, okay, what are these emotions that I'm feeling? You know, I, I typically mm-hmm. talk fast and I write fast. And so when I was typing, I'd have to kind of slow down a little bit and, you know, what am I feeling and why am I feeling these way, this way? And um, this is what I kind of need from God right now. And every time, every time I w- was writing or within a, sh- a short time of writing, some kind of spiritual answer or a friend would say, would call me up and say, I just felt like I needed to share this with you. And so I would get these these little experiences were just reminding me that that God was very aware of my pain and he was doing all he could to to comfort me through other people and 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 through him and so the same thing happened with with my daughter and with all my subsequent babies um every time no matter how many, how many babies I've had it still is a very triggering time for me to um yeah. to, to be pregnant to have the baby and especially when I put the baby in the crib and they can roll which my son Ty could roll mm-hmm. he could roll you know forward and back back and that's still 
things still happened and um, so for me making the walk from my bed down the hall to look over the crib is really really hard for me and so um, my daughter Eliana um, she I I have very high energy rambunctious kids and I so I kind of thought you know I've had these I always kind of thought I'd have like a, a lot like a lot of kids and so I had people might think three kids is, is a lot and it kind of was at the time but Dan and I kind of started feeling like there might be one more and as in my in my head I wanted one or in my heart I wanted one more in my head I was just thinking oh no, I can't I, I know that I know what that means like as far as motherhood goes and I was happy that a, a normal part of motherhood frustrations had kind of fallen into my life like what a blessing um but I also mm-hmm. knew that with another baby would be another cycle of months and months and of just this this fear that I would have to deal with and I remember at the time um it was around Christmas and I was at this music fireside and even thinking about having another baby just I was I sang with my choir and then I sat down and the rest of the music I couldn't even focus on because it was just these thoughts that come into my mind like you're at a crossroads like are you gonna are you gonna have another baby or not and I just kept I was like it was like I was arguing with somebody else but in my head <laughs> um kind of yeah. sounds crazy <laughs> but I was just like no I've I, done that before I mean, yeah and you're just trying to reason and logic like the thoughts were, you know, what are you afraid of? I'm like, well, I'm afraid of a lot of things. <laughs> Here's my list. <laughs> and so I kind of went through my, my list of concerns, namely that it's really a lot on my heart. Um, you know, did you kind of feel like, like, I kind of feel like my, uh, my heart has some emotional scarring from it. And it just, as healing yeah. as, as my experiences have been, there is still that residual pain that's there. Um, and so, um, you know, I had, so I had this conversation with whoever it was that was bugging me. <laughs> And just saying, you know, do you really think that God wouldn't help you through those those hard things? I'm like, oh, I know he would. I know he has. But it's still going to be very hard. And the thoughts were, yes, it's going to be hard, but God's going to help you. I'm like, okay. And so I had this feeling that maybe I needed to maybe address this and maybe have another baby. And the short of it was I suddenly had this thought, you know, what if instead of fighting, no, 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 I can't because I'm scared. What if the answer were Yes. What if I just kind of just pretended that I was okay with the answer being yes, have another baby? <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I did. So for one full day, I, I pretended. I said, okay, yes, I'm going to have another baby. And it was almost immediate. By saying yes and by not pointing out all the fears and the things that could go wrong, I immediately had this peace and um, that, yes, having a baby was, was right for our family. And I told my husband, and he f- had that kind of immediate yes as well. And so I'm telling you about my daughter because there's kind of a, a full circle story that comes here um, with her um, joining our family. When I was trying to get pregnant with Ty, and I was at the time, you know, I had mentioned about a year of trying, and I wasn't sure if this was going to, I didn't know how long it would take. I knew that people had it taken people years and lots, you know, the infertility road can be years and years. And I was just trying to accept, you know, maybe that was going to be my journey, my story. And so I went, I, I prayed especially deeply to God and just said, you know, I just wanted some guidance. Like, am I going to have a family? Um, am I going to have kids? Like, what am I going to do about this? Or what's going to happen with the situation? And so I remember as I was praying about it, I looked to the Bible and opened up the Old Testament. And I am I am no, no scriptorian. I really don't, shamefully maybe, <laughs> not shamefully, but I just, I just really don't know the scriptures very well, the, the Old Testament in particular. And so I didn't really know what I was looking for. But I, I just kind of kept that prayer in my heart and tried the, you know, flip open the scriptures method and opened a 
first Samuel in the first chapter and I kind of started reading about this woman Hannah and I think a lot of people in the grief world will will recognize right away who Hannah is but I didn't I didn't know who this was I was reading about and I read about this woman who was barren and who was I could just relate to her she was trying to have a baby too and she didn't seem you know her her womb was 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 closed up and and so she was praying for God and she was you know I my I is kind of stuck with this verse, you know, verse 20, uh, 120, or chapter 1, verse 27, and it just said, um, for this child I prayed, and the Lord hath granted unto me. Um, and I remember reading that verse, and it stuck in my mind, I'm like, hmm, was that an answer to prayers? Like, kind of, kind of almost too afraid to believe it, but then when I talked to my husband, mm-hmm. he's like, do you really think you went, you went kind of praying? And that you just happen to open the scripture to the story that you're not familiar with. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> maybe maybe that was an answer to prayers. And, you know, two months later, I was yeah. pregnant with Ty. And so I just always, I think that was what was hard was I kind of believed that God had promised him to me. And so when he was taken away, what seemed like he was taken away four and a half months later, I just, there was a lot of, I just, this doesn't seem fair. This doesn't seem right. Um, what's the point of all that? And I remember after Ty's funeral, um, my husband and I had been, we're, we're praying together again, and we were, t- we were sitting together, and I was thinking more about that story of Hannah, and how my sister-in-law had said, you know, Hannah had to give her son back to the Lord, too. She said she had told the Lord, if you give me a son, um, I will, he, he will, he'll grow up to serve you, and so it just mentioned in the scriptures that once he was old enough to be weaned, that he goes to to serve this priest Eli and essentially serve the Lord. So she doesn't, I remember thinking like, man, it's nice that she got her baby, but she didn't even get to raise her baby. That's kind of not, again, kind of thinking that the story of this woman that wanted this child so bad, she didn't even really get her, yeah. to raise him and be with him and probably feeling a little woe was me as well as I thought about my son who had, we had just buried not long ago. And, um, and I was looking at that, that chapter again in the scriptures and the thought came, read on read on <laughs> so I was like okay I'll read on so I read the next chapter and in that chapter um unbeknownst to me it talks about Hannah how she is blessed um to have because of her sacrifice the Lord blesses her and she ends up having more kids she has I think five more kids and so I remember I had read other things in that that period of time as I was kind of sitting and pondering and but that was the only thing that came back to me was that Hannah was blessed and she had more kids and I just felt such peace and that hope come back to me and and I knew that we we would have more kids and so with Eliana here she was our, our fourth baby since our loss and certainly we were having more kids and I was kind of laughing at myself like well we sure did it <laughs> as crazy as it can be with all of our kids about two years apart like look at our look at our little family um and and when I I was just just really just just seeing the the connection between all that that connection of the story of Hannah and like you know I've been blessed as well with 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 these kids and my husband and I were we always kind of debate names when we're when we're still pregnant we're debating you know what we could never agree right away but there was a sound that we both kind of liked we liked Leah and um, I liked Aaliyah and Adriana but Dan didn't really like that necessarily and um, but he still kind of liked Leah, so I kept, you know, going on Google, names that sound like, <laughs> and names that sound like, you know, Aaliyah or whatever, and um, I saw this name, Eliana, E-L-I-A-N-A, and I said, oh, that's beautiful, and I just connected to it right away, I said, that name is so beautiful, I love that, um, and was so drawn to it, and so I looked up the meaning of the name, because that's just what you do on Google, you look up baby names and the, me- yeah. the meaning of them, and the name of Eliana is God has answered, and my heart just just soared, and I just 
given that I had struggled to just with having having lost Ty and and once at some point in my life not being able to fathom all the blessings and all the answers to prayer that would come and all of a sudden I was with what I we are deeming as our last child <laughs> at this point right now <laughs> um and all of a sudden realizing that her name should be Eliana and that God has answered and it was just like God was just just kind of just saying gently like here they are here is your 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 answers and your family and I don't know that it that kids are necessarily the the miracle and the answers for everybody's loss but in my particular situation it just it seems that there's just too many coincidences to believe in coincidences and um so that's brought me a lot of peace um our little Eliana and oddly she um looks a lot like Ty when she smiles we see a lot of um a lot of a lot of him we get these these glimpses of our son again um through her and so she's been the greatest blessing and I'm just so happy that we didn't let that we didn't let fear prevent us from from having her join our family um it's been an amazing experience so she's kind of she kind of closed closes that that full circle story for us so what would you tell other women that might be struggling with loss of a child or maybe even waiting on infertility or other things that might be similar to your situation oh for me, I just, I can't separate the healing experience from God. And so um, I I think the things that were most important to me was everyone's journey is going to be individual and independent. And like I said, I don't know if my experience is going to be the same way for somebody else. But I felt that it all came together. The more that I prayed, the more that I looked at my scriptures, the more that I tried to seek out these answers, they didn't just fall in my lap. Like I really did have to put in the effort. It it was actually really exhausting at sometimes, um, to be able to try and keep that spiritual mindset. Um, so spirituality may not be the answer for everybody, but that is, that's the one that I would put out there. If you are someone that believes in God, um, that's what I connect with for my story is put yourself in his hands and it may not be that you get an answer in a way that you think um, but I really do believe that God's going to place people in your life to help you figure out those answers um, and what an opportunity is for your, your friends and family to kind of be that uh, be those angels and be those those methods of, of hearing an answer because certainly at times I was too emotional to, to receive an answer and um, mm-hmm. just so grateful that these these friends these new friends and family members would just say the right thing that I needed to hear at that time or that I just prayed about and um, so that would be my, my biggest thing is it, it's going to take work and it's going to take effort um, to try and come at peace with your situation um, I think letting go of some of the, of the control I had no idea how controlling I was until <laughs> until I, I lost control of this this whole thing even even in motherhood um, not being able to control little yeah. people and and their emotions <laughs> and <laughs> you know it's, it's, it's a lot to it's a lot to try and control and so it's just easier to try and give some of that up it's not easy mm-hmm. but it's an yeah, effort it's so true <laughs> with the grief and healing experiences it, it's it's never a, a it's never a closed book situation you know people talk about grief being cyclical you know and I've certainly had those experiences where um the most spiritual experiences I've had a lot of times I've I've had to rely on the things that I wrote about and there was a time when I had my third baby since since Ty um so was my fourth baby um Logan and Aya was four and Aaron was two and Logan was a few months old at the time and I remember at the time all of a sudden the grief was hitting me again maybe it was partly postpartum stuff but just 
the hard part about, you know, having, having a baby fresh and all the emotions kind of coming up. And I just started feeling, um, suddenly I was just like feeling abandoned by God and feeling abandoned by my son. I wasn't feeling those connections to him. You know, people had promised, you know, you're going to, your kids are going to like probably say stuff about him, like that they see him and, um, maybe you'll dream about him or just, just these, these experiences of hope that every mother just, just wants to have this tangible understanding and, and, um, belief about where their son's at or their baby's at. And there was a time where I just kind of felt like I got pester my kids. I'm like, Hey, have you seen your, your angel brother? Like we talk about him regularly, but there wasn't, there wasn't, you know, Oh yeah. Like they weren't talking about him. Like they saw him. And I was kind of feeling gypped from the experience and a little bit mad again. And like, like people told me that, that he'd be a part of a family and, and where is he? And, and he doesn't need me anymore. And I, all of a sudden I kind of got into a, a dark place again and just feeling like, like I didn't matter to my, to my angel son who I believe is, 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 fine and in heaven and you know at times feeling peace about that but at this time I was just getting mad and sad and the grief was was doubling over and um I remember and praying about that to God kind of with my angry my angry prayer voice that I'd used before just like like where is where's my son and um I don't feel him I don't see him my kids don't talk about him and one day I went to the park where I went I fortunately kept um trying to exercise and um it helped me feel better and my friend ran a, like a mommy boot camp and so I was doing that and juggling like nursing babies and kids and so I I took a break and said hey can you watch my my daughter Aya she's you know she's the four-year-old at the time and she was out in the grass just kind of laying there in the sunshine and it was spring at the time here in Vegas and I went to the car and strapped my my two-year-old into the car seat and I um, was nursing my baby and my friend eventually came over to talk to me so Aya was kind of left we were parked on the curb so not far but for Aya, I remember as my friend and I were talking, I looked over and saw her stand up from where she had been laying in the grass with the sunshine. She looked up and she looked around and she didn't see me. We were in the car and I, maybe she didn't recognize our car, but she all of a sudden looked terrified and so sad. And I said to my friend, hey, can you can you call her over? I think she thinks I left her. Can you please call her over? And so my friend um, called over Aya and Aya came running to the car and she just had tears down her face and she said mommy I thought you left me and I was like oh Aya I would never leave you I, I was right here you just didn't see me I would never leave you and all of a sudden it was like I heard God talking to me I'm right here I would never leave you and I just got flooded with that that peace and that calm again and just realizing that God God feels the same way when I think that he's left me that is how I felt watching my daughter kind of startled and scared and feeling like I'd abandoned her and as a mother that was a heartbreaking feeling and so as a father God I can imagine what he was trying to share with me that moment that it was just kind of an intimate moment and made me slow down and think he hasn't left me and just because we're used to feeling and connecting with our children tangibly we're used to holding them and feeding them and caring for their needs Um, we're used to seeing them smile and um, grab onto us and it's such a in our nature to feel them physically that um spiritually is not it's not going to be that way and i think some people have some extraordinary experiences but that may not be the case and so i was reminded that sometimes in these experiences we just need to reconnect spiritually because that is where that's where the peace is at and um it's trying to find god and finding our our angel babies or our angels mm-hmm. with um our spiritual eyes rather than temporally so yeah, it's an experience that I just I have to return to sometimes. Remember that it's we have to look differently, and we still have to seek him out. So, yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. In a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs>
So why don't you tell everybody about your book really quick? So Bard, Bard Angel is a book that I published in 2014, and it kind of sums up my grief and healing experiences. Um, like I said, when I was going through the hardest times, I journaled a lot, and I wrote all these experiences down on my blog, and they were, they, they were the most hurtful experiences, but also the most spiritual ones. And so my family and friends who were um, reading my blog, um, they just said, Erica, it's so hard to read your blog sometimes. It makes me cry. But then I feel so uplifted and so full of hope because you always have some kind of a spiritual answer or some kind of um, hopeful experience that you share. And they people started encouraging me to, to write it and put it in a book. And so that's Bard Angel. A lot of it comes from these organic, raw experiences. Um, and it's a lot of the experiences that are within the first two years of my loss. And... Um, and so I was finally able to get it published in 2014, and it's it's been an amazing experience. It's definitely therapeutic to write, and definitely um, humbling and, and comforting to hear people share that it, that it's helped them. And I'm I'm grateful for that because there were people that were you know like I said strangers that helped me. And so by sharing my my story, I'm hoping to. It's not a long book, but I'm I I I'm glad that it's not a long book because I'm. It's not about my book or my story. It's about helping people see that where their story can go from there and what they can do with their story to help connect um, with God and with with healing. That's my hope anyway. It's a beautiful book. I Thank love you. it. So, is there anything else? That's it. Thank you for the That's opportunity. I am a, yeah. I'm a writer by nature, so this is a little terrifying, but it was exciting to, to share it for the first time out loud, I guess. Well, thank you so much for coming, for doing it. You didn't come. For, <laughs> for being here. For calling with me. Was, of course. Thank you. It was fun you. to chat and hear your story about your sweet boy and your experiences since he's been in heaven. So, Thanks, Kara. I'm so grateful Erica's willing to share a sweet little Thai story today on the podcast. I'm very excited that Erica and I have decided to do a giveaway. She will be giving away one of her books along with a beautiful necklace. So head over to her Instagram, borrowedangel09, and I will also have it on my Instagram, today I am enough. So head over there today and see what you need to do to try and win some of these amazing prizes. I love Erica's book. I read it. It is beautifully written. Make sure to follow Erica on Facebook. You can search Erica Kiefer Author. She also has a website, Erica Kiefer Books. I'll make sure to link to all those in the show notes so you can just head over to my website today, IamEnough.com, and you can find all of her platforms there, and you can also find out where to get her book. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you loved it, share it so more people can be uplifted and inspired. Make sure to subscribe so you get all the notifications when a new episode is posted. If you have a minute, I would love it if you would take time to leave an iTunes review on this podcast. When you do this, it helps more people be able to find and listen to our podcast. Thank you so much. And always remember that today you are enough.